I, I feel like this the topic that I'm going that we have today is one that I in, not enjoy but uh, enjoy immensely. I, I um, uh, respect it immensely. It's the topic of time, and um, I feel like there's this a thought and an idea that God has placed on my heart and on my mind, and I just really I feel like on the inside of me it's like. I want to get it out, and it's just like there, right? So if you guys could please just pray that the effectiveness of the power of the Holy Spirit and what his presence and what God wants to speak in his heart that, that, that it be spoken and that it's not done according to uh, the ability that I have to be able to speak because there's really no ability to be able to articulate what I feel that God's put on my heart. If you guys could pray that, I would greatly appreciate it that the power of the Holy Spirit would just come and move in this room to both uh, quicken my mind and my tongue, but also to open our hearts all together, that we're able to receive the seed that God wants to plant inside of our heart tonight. Jesus, we thank you so much, Lord. God, we yield ourselves to you. All together as a group, Jesus, we yield ourselves to you, Lord, that you are able to guide and teach us, Lord, that you are able to plant inside of us the seed of your hope, the seed of your word, the seed of your heart, Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God, because that is what you said that the Holy Spirit will do when it comes, Lord. When the Holy Spirit comes, that is what you said that he will do, Lord. Hallelujah. Speak your heart in the full depth of what you have for us, Gospod. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let us hear this word, Gospod, that you have. Let us hear, Gospod, Jesus, what you want to lay on us, Gospod. Hallelujah, Jesus. There's nothing else that we want, Gospod, except to understand and to know your guidance, Lord. To have your heart, Gospod, Jesus. To follow after you, Jesus. To be given for you, Jesus. And I myself, Gospod, stand before this, Lord, with, the, with not just the burden, Gospod, Jesus, but the opportunity, Gospod, to be able to share, Gospod, Jesus, your word and your heart and your thought, Gospod. And I want to know, Gospod, Jesus, and we want to hear your presence, Lord, in your heart, Gospod. We want, Gospod Jesus, what you have for us tonight. So, Jesus, quicken my mind, quicken my heart, quicken my words, Gospod. Quicken everything that I am, Jesus, because if I stand here alone, Lord, it's not going to be, Gospod, what you have. But if I stand here in the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, it'll be something far beyond who I am, Lord. It'll be something far beyond what uh, human lips could say, Gospod. Hallelujah. And it'll have an impact, Gospod, that is far greater than what we could always, that we could ever imagine, Lord. So I pray, Jesus, that it's your grace, that it's nothing of my own mind, Lord, that it's nothing of my own heart or my own thoughts, God, and that we as a people could recognize that, myself also, that we could recognize, Lord, that it's nothing that a man speaks, but instead it's what your heart speaks. Instead, it's what your heart leads. Thank you, Jesus. We glorify your name. Amen. Amen. I am so excited. Uh, we are starting a new topic series, and it's called the Bless uh, God's Blessing. <laughs> Sorry, Lily. Yeah, the next person can fix it. <laughs> but we are starting a new topic series, and uh, we we basically will be outlining uh, outlining the different various blessings that God has placed inside of our lives, uh, the various uh, different things that God. Uh, begins to speak in our hearts uh, or the, the opportunities that God gives us in this world uh, to be able to shine forth. And I have the awesome and incredible uh, uh, thought to share with you guys that's called time. 
And if you were to put a thought, I always have Paul GQ come up to me and say, hey, what are three or four, or two or four short words to describe your sermon? And I'm always like, let me get back to you on that, right? So if I were to describe it, it would be, it's time. It's time. Or even more, now is the time. But it's time. And I wanted to start first and foremost out of Psalm chapter 1. This is one of, my, one of my favorite places in the Bible because it outlines something that is extremely powerful so simply. It, it outlines a very huge principle and a truth that we have, and it does it so simply. It does it with the image and the expression of a tree that is planted by the waters. And I would love to read with you guys Psalm Chapter 1, verse 1, blesses a man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law does he meditate day and night. And he will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in season. His leaves also will not wither. And whatsoever he does will prosper. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's really two thoughts that begin, to, that begin to come out of this one or these few verses in the Bible. Two thoughts. And the two thoughts are this. Number one, if you decide to be that tree, if you, if you are that tree, if you are that tree that is planted and that just enjoys being able to, to be by that stream of living water, if you enjoy, and if you find that place where you are in your life is rooted in a place where it's always got nutrients and always got provision, if you find that place, your fruit, you will bear fruit. There's no question of if, how, when, where, but you will. It will happen. And not only that, but even when things get difficult even when the the season gets cold and there's frost outside it says your leaf it never withers it never withers or when the sun comes up and gets extremely hot and tries to burn all of the leaves on your on your uh, tree away it can't happen because the thing is is your root source goes down deep and it begins to draw of the nutrients of the river it begins to draw of the sufficiency of that river what does that even mean, though? What is the river of this, of this living water? What, it, where, what, what does that mean to be planted by the river? It goes, the verse before that, it says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And, his law, it, and in his law does he meditate day and night. Time. See, that's what begins to guide our life. It's no longer a law as far as the context of what we understand law to be, where it's this rule, this rule, this rule, and that's what I'm going to gain uh, uh, a certain type of freedom or a certain type of order or a certain type of guidance. No, instead, the law of the Lord is the word of God that begins to flow inside of us. 
It's the living power of the word that begins to flow inside of us. It's the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that was inside of Christ when he, when he was on this earth. It's the same spirit that was with God. It's the same spirit that is now inside of us. It's the spirit of God that searches the deep parts of God's heart and begins to reveal that to you. It's the spirit that's inside of you that begins to search the deep things inside of you that you don't know how to express and begins to speak him to the heart of God. It's the spirit of God it's the word of God. It's the truth of God. It's the power of God that we begin to come into and say, God, I want to find this truth. And day and night, we begin to walk in this truth. Day and night, we begin to stand in this truth. Day and night, we begin to hunger for this truth because we begin to be like that tree that says, I can't stand unless I am found in this place. That's one example. But here, really quickly, I'm just going to jump in. It says, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. See, it gives the opposite example also. I'm not going to walk in the way of the sinners. I'm not going to sit in the place of the scorners. I'm not going to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. What does that mean? What does it mean to, to walk? Let's just say, let's, not, let's remove the word not. But what does it mean to walk in the counsel of the ungodly? What does it mean to begin to stand in the ways of the sinners? What does it mean to sit in the place of the scorners? You see, that's the opposite flip side of the coin because every single one of us has a choice how we spend our days on this earth. Every single one of us has the choice how we spend our minutes, how we spend our hours, how we spend our days, how we spend this time that we've been given on this earth. Every single one of us has that opportunity, has that gift, has that blessing. Every single one of us. I can't come up to, to any person here in this place And say, you have to do this, this, or this. You absolutely must do this, this, or this. And unless you don't, you're going to be frozen or something. <laughs> that actually reminds me of a funny story. Uh, my, my little niece, you guys know the movie Frozen, right? I've never watched it fully, but um, I haven't. But my little niece, yeah, niece, right? The girl version. <laughs> I always get the nephew and niece confused. Niece, it's niece. But my little niece, she'll walk around, and when you begin to do something bad, or at least something bad towards her, like saying that you're going to take her presents away at Christmas, she'll get defensive. But then also she'll go up to you and she'll freeze you. Go, and you stand there frozen, Right? And then when you want to be unfrozen, you basically have to, like, look sad and hope that somebody begins to intercede for you. <laughs> and then and them say, no, but he's good. He's not going to do that. He's going to be okay. And she says, yeah, you're going to be good. And you go, mm-hmm. <laughs> and all of a sudden she goes, <laughs> and you're unfrozen. It's like, oh, man, I didn't know. I didn't know what I was going to do with myself. I was going to be frozen forever. See, that's not what happens in your life. 
That's not what happens in my life. That's not what happens. That's not what God has done in our life. God doesn't stand over you and say, if you don't do this, this, and this, I'm going to freeze you in the pains of time. I'm going to take away your life. If you don't uh, come to youth service, there's a thought in, out there that if you don't come to this church service, a bad thing might happen to you. Or if you don't, uh, you know, pray an X amount of time, and if you don't love Jesus, bad things are going to happen to you. See, the principle of things happening begin to follow, but it's not you take this and you do this and you're going to gain this. That's not what God has intended with time. Instead, he's intended that we're able to offer our time as a living sacrifice, as a true worship before him, that we lay our lives down before him so that he could begin to fill us up and begin to impact this world. But we also have the opportunity to be able to stand in the place of ungodliness. We also have the choice, I should say, not the opportunity, the choice to stand in the places of ungodliness. To stand in the places of, of sinners. To stand in the places of scornful. Scornful, that's, I don't know, it's kind of an older word, I guess. We don't use it anymore. I, I don't think any of you guys do, but I don't scornful it's like when you're when you're all like mocking and you're just you're just like okay all right but standing in the place of sinner standing in the place of this council what does that look like i don't mean to bash on this stuff but i i myself sometimes find myself sucked into this stuff i'll just be honest i've spoken about it before but i've really made a decision and a and a choice in my life sometimes i'm not um i don't hold my choice up but i always try to remove myself again as soon as i can but man how much time we spend on movies how much time we spend on shows how much time we spend on these things that begin to suck our time away that begin to cause us to stand in the place of the council of ungodly and you might be thinking well what is what do you mean i stand in the council of ungodly that means that you're standing in a place where you're influenced by things that are not of God. They're ungodly. See, that's the thing. I'm always super drawn in. I'm telling you, ask anybody that, that knows me very well. If I see something that catches my attention, I literally get glued to that thing. So I try my best not to get glued to those things or to expose myself to those things because you, I, I've got to kind of at least made me understand one thing is that when you open yourself up to those things those things begin to fill you whether you like it or not whether you like it or not you're going to begin to get filled with either the ungodly things of this world you're either going to be filled with the sinful things of this world and the sinners uh, where the sinners stand you're either going to be filled by the scorners or you're going to be filled by god you're either going to be filled by the things that are not of God, or you're going to be filled by things that are of God. You're either going to be filled with the word, or you're going to be filled with the, with the mentality and what, what this world thinks is right, or what seems right to man. And that is decided by our time. That's decided by the resource, the one resource that we've been given and blessed, the one resource that directs our lives into worship. 
Worship is not just a, a, a time where we come together and begin to sing praise to Jesus. But worship is the laying down of your life and picking up of the life of Jesus. And we have that choice. We have that choice to make. It's just a simple, powerful statement here. I want to talk about David, though. Because sometimes we feel like, myself at least, we feel like, God, you've called me to this place, but I have no idea how I'm ever going to reach that place. And in fact, as I walk towards that place, sometimes I take a step and I completely fall through and I find myself 30 steps back to feeling like I find myself 30 steps back from the purpose that you've called me to. And it almost feels like, well, if I've tumbled this far, I may as well continue to tumble maybe because that's a far distance away that I've lost. Or maybe, oh God, I just, uh, maybe, maybe you just don't care or you don't hear me or I feel confused or I, or I feel unrighteous or I feel unworthy or I feel, I feel removed, I just feel lost, I don't know. There's a darkness that begins to cloud your mind and a confusion that, begins to, that, that just begins to cover you and you feel like, God, I have no idea how to get myself out of this place, so maybe I... I just, I don't know, maybe this thing isn't for me. Maybe this isn't for me. But the time that you have is your choice. If you still have time, then you still have a choice. The time that you have, you still have a choice. Whether you choose to go after the things that are ungodly or you have the choice to choose to go after the things that are godly. To go after the things that will plant you by that river of living water. That will allow that river of living water to begin to flow inside of you and begin to fill you that to the point where you begin to overflow. Now, David, I don't know exactly, but David is the, 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 I should say, main author of Psalms. This man, David, he found, finds himself as a, as a youth, right? And he's different. He's kind of a little bit weird because he's got a, a, a ready appearance. He's not like everybody else. He's not like his brothers that are tall, strong, handsome, men of war. See, that's the description of our day right now is like men of war means like somebody that's good at singing, good at worship, good at, good at preaching, good with his words. Oh, man, that guy is somebody that God could use, right? Strong, muscular. That's the same thing. That's what, that's what it was. That's what it was in the Old Testament is that, that, that war, that being able to go to battle is like our being able to go to battle in the spiritual world. Do you understand and get it? That's kind of, it's the, it's the parallel that's drawn in a, in a physical nature, what we have in our spiritual nature. It's what we have inside of ourselves. So we, we see these guys, right? They're just, they're just awesome. And they're just like, they're tall, they're, they're just good. They're, they're going to war. And then we see David that's left back. It's reddish hair and just weird. And to the point where his dad forgets about him. <laughs> David, he... What are you ever going to do in the kingdom of God? How are you ever going to make it to the battlefield? Your dad's forgotten about you. 
And so he gets placed as a shepherd, the lowest place, the place where nobody else wants. And he's watching after his, sheep, after his, his family's sheep as his brothers go off and are warring. But you see the thing with David is that his years and his age, as he's watching his, those sheep, he begins to make a decision and a choice inside of his life that says, I am going to use my time to fill myself with the godly, godly things of this world. I'm going to use this time to fill myself, to, to stand in this place of lowness, to stand in this place of, of um, uh, invisibleness, to stand in this place that doesn't matter with the fullest that I could accomplish it. And so as he begins to, to stand and, and to, to be that tree that's planted, I believe that this is placed in the beginning of Psalms because I, I, I almost feel like this has kind of been the, the direction and the leading of, of what David's heart was, well, a lot of what David's heart was about was this, this idea that I'm going to be a tree that's planted by the living, living waters. And these living waters are going to fill me. As a, as a young, at a young age, he begins to, to fill himself with the presence of God and so now, when, when he's placed in this job, when he has this job to do, to, to watch over these sheep, right? It might seem simple. It's like, okay, I'm just watching, right? But what happens then when, in the, when a lion runs up and begins to take one of your sheep that you've been entrusted to keep? See, any one of us, myself included, would be like, that's a lion. Look, just don't come back, please. Because next time I'm going to have a slingshot, <laughs> But David gets up and he's like, not today. Not today. Not right now. Now is not your time, lion. And he begins to pursue after that lion. Why? Because before that lion even came, he was exposing himself to the godly things of this world. And you see, the thing is, is with human effort and with human ability and with myself, right, no matter how fast I could run, a lion could run faster than me. So, David begins to get this fulfillment and this extra strength of the, of the power of God that was something that was impossible even to catch up to that lion. But he does catch up to that lion. And when he catches up to it, it says that he grabs it by the mane. I don't know if he slams it to the guy. Oh, it says he grabs it by the lane. But in my mind, I envision he grabs this thing by the, the, by the mane, slams it to the ground, takes the, 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 uh, the uh, sheep out of the mouth of the lion, tears the, the jaw open of the lion, this, this awesome strength, this lion that has a paw that's a, as big as his whole hand that could swipe at him. But for some reason, David is empowered with a strength that is far above what he is himself. And he slays this lion, takes his sheep, and again a bear comes, does the same thing to the bear. See, the thing is, is David is empowered by something greater. Instead, he made this decision to say, I am going to stand with God. I am going to be filled with the power of God so that I can be like a tree that is planted by the, by the living waters so that my, 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 my leaves won't, won't go dry, so that my fruit will, uh, will continue to be bore, so that I could be something, so that I could provide something, so that I could be a living testimony to the living God here in this place. David then comes home from that time. I don't think David even, I don't know if David even told his family. David didn't go and slay that lion so that he could 
take that carcass of the lion, hunk it over himself, and drag it home, lay it down, and say, Dad, see, look at that. I am a warrior. I am strong. He leaves it alone. There's no mention of David ever making mention to anybody else except for when Saul, or when he's talking to Saul. These private victories, these private places, these times where it's not about anything else except for, God, I want to find the heart of who you are. God, I want to be filled with the living water. God, I want to be I want to be that tree. I just want to know who you are. I want to know what, what you have in store for me. I want to see who you are. God, I just want my life. The, the insides of me, everything that's inside of me just screams out and says, God, I need you. I need you. I need your presence. I need to find you. It's not about the work. It's about you, God. It's about you, Jesus. It's about you empowering me. David continues to live his life. He's not noticed for these great and mighty feats. Said he goes out and he sees a giant that's standing before him and he says, I can't stand because you're making fun of God. You're talking bad about God. He goes and he slays this giant with a sling. We know the story. We've heard it from, from our, the greatest stories ever told. The giant dies. He's promised all this great stuff, and it doesn't seem like he really gets it because he goes back to the place that he was to the point when Saul begins to slip and fall that the, the prophet Samuel comes to the house, to David's house, and he says, hey, you know, who, I'm supposed to anoint someone king in your household. And David's dad is like, okay, my oldest son, mighty man of God. He's a warrior. No. Okay. This guy, ooh, he's good. No, 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 to the point. Anybody else? No, we don't have anybody else. He must have gotten mistaken. Anybody else? Anybody else? Just anybody. Think long and hard. This is Prophet Samuel saying this. Think long and hard. Dad's like, Anybody else? And you think, anybody else? Huh? Hello, the guy that maybe slayed, just uh, slew the giant. Anybody else? David. But it's not, can't be him. Can't. God calls him. David is walking through the desert after he gets anointed to be king. That's, he doesn't become king right away. Instead, he begins to have victory after victory, and then Saul begins to chase after him. I'm fast-forwarding a little bit so that you guys get the concept. Gets victory after victory. It's chased through the desert for uh, like a long time. Like I think it was 15 years. Gets chased. See, the point of the matter is, is that we know the David. The David that we understand and the David that we look and say, man, a mighty man of God. A just incredible testimony of God. We look at that part of it. We look at that little, we look at that section of David's life. But we don't see the section before David, before that part. We don't see the place where David is just sitting all alone and saying, God, I want to find your presence. I want to see who you are. 
And that's the place that began to build David to be able to stand in the place that he stood, the place where he, where he was able to stand in the public eye, not only of his generation, but ge this generation that we have. The time that he stood, and he didn't say, when I am appointed to be placed in that ministry, when I am appointed to be king, then I'm going to start pursuing your heart. When I have a task to do, when I'm going to stand in battle, then I'm going to begin to seek after your face. Because by the time that he would have stood before Goliath, if he would have even had the call to stand before Goliath, he would have gotten removed. Because then at that point, you come with what you've got. So the time is now. We sometimes think, God, I'm living this mundane life. You guys know what? Mundane. It's day in and day out, it's the same. Day in and day out, I come to youth and I don't see any kind of power. And day in and day out, I wake up and I don't see anything awesome going on in my life. Day in and day out, I, I am investing into the word and I see these awesome things inside of the word, yet in my life, I don't have it. So you continue and say, okay, God, I'm just going to continue, though. And you continue, get up, get down, get up, get down. You, you keep going. You, you wake up, you go to sleep, wake up, go to sleep. Your day goes, and you do, there's nothing special. There's nothing going on. But you see, the thing is, is the power of God begins to rest in that place. The power of God begins to be developed and structured in that time that we have when nobody else is watching us, when nobody else is looking at us, when nobody else is doing anything, it's that time that we begin to turn our heart and say, God, this time that you have given me, this, 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 this place that you have given me, but this, this time that, that I'm going to lift your name because I see something valuable inside of you. I'm not doing it because of some ministry. I'm not doing it because of some place that I want to stand, this public position, this, this place of accolades from people. But instead, God, I want to know you. I want to know who you are. I want to know what your promise is. I want to know what you speak over my life. I want to know what your purpose for my life is, no matter how crazy it could be. In that same stroke, we also have the choice, again, to say, but nobody sees me. But nobody knows what I'm doing. I'm bored. I'm tired. I need to relax. I need to, I need to unwind. There's time and place for everything, but there's something that has to come into us as the, as, as the Christians of this world, as the people that, that manifest, that show, I should say, the heart of God. There's got to be something that gets into us that says, I need to be filled with that thing that I'm supposed to be showing. Because the thing that I continue to fill myself with, when nobody else sees, the times where, where that I have that I've been granted, if I continue to fill myself with that stuff, and then I stand before God, before this, this battle, what am I going to flow out? What are we as Christians going to flow out? What am I, Serge, going to flow out? Planted by the liver, by the rivers. I see that. This message isn't to, to say that 
you know, we're all in one heap or all of us, I'm better than you, you're not as good. I walk through the absolute same trials and same difficulties that every single one of you guys has. I fall in the same places you guys fall at times. And I, I'm just a person too. Sometimes the question then begins to come up inside of our mind of God, but maybe I'm not truly built for that thing. Maybe I'll just live a quiet Christian life. Well, maybe that's true, but there's something of living a quiet Christian life with the power of God also. There's no exception for a Christian without the fullness of God. David begins to have victory after victory. He's just a mighty king, and God's just blessing him abundantly. He comes to a point where he just begins to recede. And he's found on the rooftop, and he sees a girl, and he says, dang, she's good looking. And he goes and inquires about her. He's the king. See, the thing is, is the whole army, like before he would go out to battle, before he was part of that, I believe that David begins to receive, and this is a testimony in our life. This is a testimony to us. Begins to receive and walk back to that place he sees, and he says, who is that? Hey, she's married. Let it go, David. Oh, okay, well, call her over. David falls incredibly to the point where he takes another man's wife, he goes and kills that man because that man is too righteous. He can't cover up his sin. And then the prophet comes to him and says, David, there was a guy and this and that happens. And David, what he does is he repents before God. See, the thing that, that we have a choice, right? We think sometimes that these mighty men of God that we listen to potentially on, on, uh, on sermons and, and these, these uh, uh, people that, that, that just have this awesome power of God, we think that they're just these invincible people, right? Even Paul back in the day, right? The Apostle Paul, we just think that, oh, Paul, he's, you've gotten to a place, and because you've gotten to this place, that you just have golden streets ahead of you. But it's not like that. But instead, it takes just as much revealing yourself to the, to the godliness that God is providing for us. To, it, it takes just as much revealing yourself to God and to standing in that place of the river, rivers of living water as it did back when you were just a tiny Christian. Because David, as soon as he falls, I believe it's because he began to grow out of the place of the presence of God. But as soon as the presence of God came, came back into his life, as soon as he began to be, reveal himself to that, he was restored again. There's so many different stories and things that begin to, to portray this. Joshua, we heard this story from Alex, I believe. Or, sorry, Vlad. Joshua, the reason he stood as a leader of the Israel people, the reason he went in and, and, and said, hey, that is our land. All the rest of the ten people, not only that, but all the rest of the people in general, 
begin to get mad at Joshua. But Joshua is standing on the place that says, that is our land. Because he was left in that place of seeking God's presence. He would remain in that place as Moses would go back. He would continue to find that encouragement, that joy, that presence, that, that character of who God was. He would begin to see and be transformed. His eyes were transformed. His heart was transformed. His mind was transformed. Every single part of Joshua was transformed. New Testament, Paul, the apostle, he began to stay in the place. He was blinded. He was knocked off his horse, blinded. What happens? He goes back and begins to preach a mighty sermon, right? No. Instead, he remains. And it says for years he was standing in this place, learning, growing. Moses, all these people have time before. Have this, a lot of times it's a ton of time. Moses stood for 90 days, or excuse me, until 90 years old. And then he's called. And then he's awoken. Peter, incredible story, one of my favorites. And, and the gospels of, of, of what we read and, and when Jesus was walking, we see these people that were supposed to be such awesome Christians. They were, they were anointed with power and all this stuff, right? To be able to cast out demons and all this. But inside they were still just people. They were still fighting and saying, man, I'm going to be sitting at the right hand of God. And then probably another guy was like, man, why didn't, I'm going to sit at the right hand of God, or left hand of God at least, or I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to rule cities, I'm going to do this. And sometimes, isn't it that's where we find ourselves? When the gospel of, when the gospels pass, we recognize and see that the testing and the trial that Peter and all the disciples and all the apostles that they went through, they said, God, we messed up. We left you alone. They had this time, and then they were found in the upper room, being trained, being filled. And then Stephen comes on the scene also in Acts. This is also one of my favorite stories. Stephen, who did they go out and pick? They went and picked a man that was full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost. What does that mean? Was Stephen born out of the mother's womb, being full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost? But that word, that, that, that phrase, it implies that to be full of faith and to be full of the Holy Ghost, you must first be filled by, with faith. You must first be filled with the Holy Spirit. You must be first poured into. Something must fill your life. Something must fill your time. And it's either going to be the things of God or it's going to be the things of this world. It's either going to be the power of God or it's going to be the power of this world. Which we can, we sometimes don't think that, oh, the world has power. The world has power. The world has authority. The world has provision. But the difference between the provision of God and the provision of this world and the power of this world and the strength of this world and everything of this world is that that provision and power is blowing in the wind it's here now it's gone another time it's here it's gone whereas the power the provision the strength the joy the peace the mercy the the everything of god is a solid rock and a solid foundation that you step on and that is going to be there through thick and thin 
through the, through the seasons, through the different time periods, through the tough, through the easy, through the, through the joyful, through the sorrow, through the hurt, through the brokenness. If I could invite, if the worship band, if you guys are still willing to sing today, We, as the people of God, have the choice. And this is the incredible revelation that God put on my heart. Is that God is love. That's the definition of who God is. And not only love, like, man, I love my friends. But absolute love. And God has given us the, the ability and the opportunity for heaven to touch down to earth. And the kingdom of God is not authority and power and, and what we think the, words, the world's authority is. That's what the, the apostles were running after. But the kingdom of God is the expression of God, is the expression of love is the expression of power when there should be no power, is the expression of joy when there should be no joy, is the expression of ability when there is no way, is the expression of healing when there is no healing. That's why when Jesus comes and sees a man that's broken, he's able to raise him up because he's expressing the kingdom of God. He's expressing the love of God. He's expressing the power of God. He's expressing who God is. But do you know something about Jesus? Is that he wasn't just a man. Even though he was born by the Holy Spirit, he still would remove himself and find himself in a place where nobody else would be looking, where nobody else would be watching. And he'd be encouraged and filled with the Holy Spirit. He, he was removed of the Holy Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted and tried of every single thing that we were. Why? It wasn't because of some, some, something to prove, but instead, it was that process and the development of people as Christ, of Christ, that Christ himself didn't remove himself from that place, wasn't above that place himself, but instead he subjected himself to that place also because he knows exactly that every single one of us deals with the, with the struggle of removing ourselves from, let's just say, easy movies or shows or, or, or music that's not encouraging to our spirit or, or, or remove us from, from things that we think are more weighty like pornography or something. We think and count those things as weighty, but the thing is, is that the weightiness of God is either you make a choice of either to be godly or whether to be ungodly. And the choice happens and continues to happen with our time that we continue to come before God because it says that it's only going to be in the secret place, that the secret place gets rewarded in the open. And then it also says in Romans chapter 8 that the thing is, is you don't have the strength to be able to stand in that place. You don't have the strength to be able to bear God's love inside of you. You don't have the strength to be able to stand in perfection. You don't have the strength to be able to do any of those things. And sometimes we try to do those things in our own self, but instead he says that the Spirit of God, if you subject yourself to the Spirit of God, because what you subject yourself to is what you're going to become. What you give your time to, what you 
What you sacrifice yourself to is what you're going to become, is what we're going to become, is what we're going to become as the body of Christ, is what we're going to become as the youth of Christ, is what we're going to individually become, is if we begin to subject ourselves to the thing of this world, we're only going to be able to reflect this world. But if we begin to subject ourselves to the power of God, we're going to become the power of God to this world. So thus, we have the opportunity and the great privilege and the, and the awesome calling of our time that we can take and spend and say, God, here I am, here and now. Here and now, today. Today. I'm not waiting till tomorrow to begin my Bible reading plan. I'm not waiting till tomorrow to begin my time in your prayer closet. I am doing it today. I'm not waiting to, to, to uh, until I walk into some kind of difficulty or trial. Although difficulty and trial sometimes lead us to those places. But right now, in the mundane, when nothing else is happening, where nobody, when I feel, when I'm not really having an impact on this world, where I'm not really having an impact on this youth, I'm not doing, I'm not, I just, it's just regular. Just a regular. Right now, God, today, today, it's time. Now is the time. God, now is the time that I want to know your heart. Now is the time that I want to get to know who you are. We're not perfect. Paul wasn't perfect. Peter wasn't perfect. John wasn't perfect. Joshua wasn't perfect. These mighty, incredible men of God but they stood in a place of surrender and said God I want to be led by you I want to be led by you the call is there the purpose is there it's a matter of us seeing the call seeing the purpose effectively clearing our minds clearing our eyes clearing our hearts gift is so clear right now. You've got breath in your lungs, in your nostrils flowing through you. Who do you want to reflect? Who do you want to reflect? Because we have the opportunity to reflect the love of God. We have the opportunity to reflect the power of God. We have the opportunity to reflect the kingdom of God. That's the great and powerful promise that was made to us through Jesus Christ. That was the great and powerful promise that was made in our lives. That we're going to have something invested inside of us. That even the old prophets and even the, the people of God that stood in the past. That even they weren't able to grasp fully. But now is the time today, right now, is the decision that we have before us. And we'll continue to have today, time time that we that we pour ourselves pour out this is, this is a standard message there's nothing special about this message maybe something that maybe you've heard it a million times we can sometimes go and say 2019 that's when I'm going to start again New Year's goals Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. 
invited the worship band not so that it would be emotional or, or something inside of you that begins to stir up, but instead to give you the opportunity, to give you the opportunity to make this decision inside of your heart. And I'm not going to ask you to come up to the front either, but instead to make a decision inside of yourself says, God, I may not know how to chase you. I may not know how to pursue you. I may not know where to find those waters, but what I do know is that you've opened that for me. And I want that. I want that. I want it. I want you. I want you. I choose you with my time. inside of your heart. Make it, allow it to be a realization in your mind also that it requires your time. Not just this one moment where you say, right now I'm going to make that decision.